give them, give them this, give them this, says the Spirit of the Lord. For it is my anointing that breaks the yoke. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I have spoken unto you and my anointing, give them this hope, says the Spirit of grace. For they're not looking for your bling, your intelligence, your talents, your abilities will not break the yoke of humanity, says the Spirit of the Lord. There's a church coming out of a church. And there's a sea of humanity crying out in their hearts for a reality that is beyond what they've seen in the present day church. Don't give them your pop talk. Don't give them your abilities to try to act like them or talk like them or be like them or try to pull them over in any way of the flesh. But there is a world that's hungry for what only the firstborn could give them was the anointing that broke all yokes and set every captive free. The reality that the world is looking for today it's not in glamour or sparkle. They're searching for a place of reality in my presence that brings them peace and a settlement of heart and a reality of truth that God's Word is absolute truth. And the things that I have spoken unto them in my Word will come to pass. yes, sir. I'm asking you to give them this of what you've received first privately in my presence. If you don't do this privately, you will not have it to do publicly, says the Spirit of grace. For no man reaches into this well superficially and goes there just by title. No mister, no sir, no ma'am, no doctorate, nothing of degree will graduate you to a place no reverend no seated place of authority in the natural gives you access into this place but my presence and as you spend time in my presence and go out you'll offer this inadvertently without thought to the world Stop trying formulas. All formulas dissipate under my presence. Know that as my firstborn, my beloved, the one you call Lord and Savior, as he began his day, that it was of utmost that he began it in presence. As I placed inside of him not only the direction but the authority to bring forth my kingdom and that it would come as I will in him. 
through my presence. Do not be lost even in the natural things as you go forth. Because the one who learns to live in my presence even in the midst of busyness or even chaos will not hear the sounds of the natural around them nor will they bend to opinion but they will go straight forward moving as they have been dictated by my presence first in a private place you're very close to what the world and what the church has not seen in many generations. A shaking and a stirring. Children have not been raised under the power. So it will be shocking to them to watch my glory. But surely as an orientation comes, those who stay in my presence and birth this thing will be the kings and the priests of the earth who deliver this unto their generation, says the Spirit of Grace. The day of glamour, the day of bling, the day of high things to attract man is over. I strove and strive as far as I possibly could with many of these places who by their own ability have tried to attract men for number's sake alone. But I am gravitating to those places and to those people who will forsake Mahale Edieteka Masoto. Glitzy ideas will not get them in. They're searching for peace and they're searching for power. Spend the time. Worship you, Jesus. Amen. So, why don't you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Well, 4. I'm just listening as we go this morning. It was... Uh, and we may call a line in a little bit to just listening for the baptism of the Holy Spirit or whatever the, the Lord says. Because when I know when he takes a while to, he's usually two or three days, sometimes two or three days in front of me. I don't even ask what he'd have me to prepare. It just starts coming. So today... He wasn't saying anything except that I could feel his presence, and that's everything. You always want to know his presence. Yes, sir. So, please, please, in regards to everything that he was saying in that beginning prophecy, it's so important that we 
do everything that we possibly can to attain into that. What did he say? Well, I, I heard it for the first time myself. I didn't rehearse that and come over here and say, well, I'll speak in tongues and then prophesy. But when you spend time with him and preparing, then you want him to go any way that he possibly wants to go, forward, backwards, laterally. It doesn't matter. In the spirit that I'm talking about. So we're after a supernatural revival where the best way for us to say it is the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the dumb speak, dead are raised, demoniacs are set free, maimed are made whole. How about that one? I can't wait to see arms and legs grow out. Well, the same works, he said the same works that I did, or I do, you'll do also, and greater because I go to the Father. We're not... We, we like fellowship. That's wonderful. We probably should do more of it. Probably should have. But fellowship won't bring it. We like other things. But if it was a sovereign move, like he had just like, okay, I want to bring in a Joel a Joel's army, and when I say Joel's army, I'm talking about the book of Joel. He prophesied that in the last days, part of that began, Acts chapter 2, Peter said, this is that which Joel prophesied of. In other words, that was the threshold, that was the beginning. But then as you continue to look into Scripture, you know that there was an end time that began the end times, but the Scripture specifically talks about the end of the end. So it's not just, it's like, saying the end has began or begun, but then that we're in the end of the end or the end of the last, the end of the last days. So the end of the last days, Jesus was sharing that out of Matthew 24 and 25. And as he was sharing that, he said one of the earmarks, it was like, you know, when Pastor Jim came here and taught us that prophetic seminar, it was so good. But 24 and 25 is a reiteration of the same thing over and over again, it's spokes coming down to a hub. It's several different spokes reiterated in the same two chapters or in those two chapters, teaching us those things in which the disciples ask. And what do they ask? They ask in 24, they said, when will, be the, when will be the end of the world? What's the sign of your coming? What's the last days? Now, that might not be in sequential order, but that was the essence of what they were asking. And then he began to tell them, well, the first thing that he told them, the first thing that he told them was, see to it that no man deceive you. That was the first thing. First thing what? First thing in his sign of his coming. In other words, part of the end of the end would be there would be great deception in the church. He wasn't talking about that the world would be deceived. For he said, many will come in my name. And say, I am the Christ. Better interpretation is probably this. Many will come in my name speaking that I have a word of Christ. A word that I'm at the forefront and I can represent the mind of Christ. So it was amazing to me that what Jesus was saying was that it wasn't all the cataclysmic stuff. Now he got to, 
he got to plagues and he got to rumors of wars and wars. And so we're seeing, we're seeing in our day, began a year ago, year and a half ago, part of that prophecy. So the word, the word uh, pestilence, the Greek uses the word, or the King James uses the word pestilence, but the Greek is plague or diseases. So I never knew, I never knew in all my life, as I read those things hundreds of times and studied them, how that diseases slash plagues would ever have sub, such a, would be so implemented as the implementation of it as far as the spirit of Antichrist and control that the enemy would use. I thought, well, the world will get sick, people will die, there'll be a plague that'll be part of, you know, one of the, the things that Revelation talks about. But now, the more you live in something, the more that you understand and you get the, aha, I understand now how a disease can be connected to a world system by which they're eventually so what are you saying is that the mark of the no 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 we're even beginning to say that this or the vaccine or the inoculation is the mark of the beast i am telling you it is setting up a mentality it is absolutely setting up a mentality for uh the man of perdition all that said with everything that will be cataclysmic, as in wars and rumors of wars and diseases, that wasn't even the first. The first wasn't the first sign of his coming wasn't stars falling, moon turning to blood, all of the other stuff. The first was take heed that no man deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am speaking of Christ, and will deceive many. In other words, it won't the world you know this, I'll say it for you, but you know this, the world is, is not subject to be deceived because they are already deceived. They're already living in darkness and blindness. He's talking about a church living in an age in which Paul testified of in Thessalonians. He said, I'll tell you again, although I've told you before, basically, that day will not come about except there be a falling away first. In other words, it won't be that you'll just say that particular person backslid. You'll notice that there will be a mass migration of people not leaving the church. They won't ever actually leave the physical sanctuary of the church, but they will have left it in their hearts because of what has been taught to them from a pulpit and their believability what they begin to believe begins to take them in a place where they begin to fall away from the original from what what peter calls the way of truth so we're living in that hour in which the church has been uh so subtly seduced into believing doctrines of grace that don't exist doctrines of 
um, manipulation. The word calls it for, he said, merchandising you. In other words, they make gain of you for their own private purposes. Um, <laughs> what does that mean? More numbers. What does more numbers mean? More money. Okay. So we're living in an hour that it's extremely exciting because we're right on that precipice of Jesus coming back. And right before he comes back, we know this. Part of one of those other spokes is Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel, the one that I'm preaching, not mine, but his, the one that I'm duplicating to preach, my gospel, his gospel, the one, this one where the blind see, the lame walk, you say, well, it's most important they're born again. Absolutely. They came to him because they could feel his love. They also came to him because he rang a great dinner bell and said, look, the works that I do, no man has ever done before. I've come to heal the sick, to cast out devils. And this is what my father looks like. He loves you so much. Now, the church at large is looking at the grandstands and, and much of it is just, uh, it's not even that they're so much even rejecting it, they don't even see it. Let's look at First uh, Peter 4. Now, I said this, I advertised one of Jim's series Wednesday night. He's doing a great series on judgment. This will be, I'm really just listening as I go. But I did get this first part. So this is more on judgment, but Jim's doing some really good stuff. Jim Martin, I'm talking about, for those of you that don't know, you can go to his website and listen to I think there's about six or eight of them now. But one of the verses, and I've ministered on this several times before, but I want you to look at 1 Peter. Well, let's start at verse 14. Peter was speaking this to the church then, and he says, If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, on who's their part? The world. And now we're understanding much of the corporate, I'll call it the corporate church. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody, <laughs> he put busybodies right in there with murderer and thieves. What does busybody mean? You run your mouth too much. You have too much to say. You get things stirred up unnecessarily. So, you know, I'm talking about where it affects people's lives. He says... 
Let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other men's matters. In other words, it doesn't concern you. (laughs) Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Then verse 17 says this, for the time, it's the word kairos, it's a time, a season, in the Greek, the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? So we'll stop right there. In other words, he's saying he's putting a plumb line or he's placing a, something to where that this, he's saying judgment, the end time judgment so if you look at, I will say this, if you look at 1 Peter and 2 Peter and Jude, um, you'll find um, a lot of similarities, but you'll find a lot of paralleling with um, the end time events. So what Peter is also saying here is that he's teaching the church how to look forward to simultaneously with some of the things that Jesus uh, said in Matthew 24 and 25. That's where he talks about for the time or the kairos has come. In other words, it's getting close. This is what also to look for. The judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, why judgment at the house of God? Because the Lord wants to send a great revival. The earth hasn't seen the great revival like once was in the book of Acts. They haven't seen it. There's been upticks of it. We've read, we've studied, we've showed some films around here on it. Really inspirational. But their shelf life would only last two or three years. We're looking at a shelf life for this revival to last right up to the coming of Christ. But the reason why he has not been able to do it henceforth is because there hasn't been enough judgment in the house of God so by which he could also judge the world and part of that judgment's not just the condemnation of it but it's absolutely the mirror by which the world had a standard to look at and say aha there's wow they not only walk in signs and wonders that backs up what they're saying but they're different they're not sleeping around on Saturday night. They're not, they don't have, they're not saying, you know, they're not, they don't, <laughs> excuse me for being demonstrative, got to, I don't want to spoil your overall uh, as saying of Christianity. I want you to keep a general thought process that churches are wonderful and the ministers, until proven guilty, are wonderful. But I don't know how. It's not up to you to, to know, and you shouldn't even try to investigate. But it would shock you, and it would make you, some of you that were maybe too weak to understand that there's a major difference, how many uh, big worship 
teams with people singing here with 18 instruments and a glory it sounds it feels like and and I don't want to I certainly listen we're probably going to be big one day so you don't you don't I mean big in the sense of numeric for the kingdom of God's sake so you don't you don't become prideful in your humility do you understand you don't try to prove a point so I'm not against big churches and it's just that I know this not just discerning wise but I I know because I know how many of the big teams that there will be I'm not talking about a necessity to grow up in Christ you know like your little baby and you know somebody didn't speak to me wow you know I'm I'm a little offended they didn't call me this week they I'm not talking about that I'm talking about a world system that has invaded the church where worship teams have uh, people playing the keyboard and uh, they are can I put it this way they're male and their persuasion is for other males or you'll have two people in the worship team that now I'm not talking about I'm not talking about events where people make a mistake and they say I made a mistake in my life the Lord forgives anything you understand that I'm talking about when it's done on a continual basis and people kind of know about it but they say oh we're living in grace that's not grace and that's one of the major reasons why the world hasn't seen because Johnny worship leader will drink a beer with and fellowship to the point where he gets feeling really good on Saturday nights. But that's the major reason why when, if they do believe in prayer, if they do, if they do believe in prayer where they come over and pray, people leave the same way that they came in. If they were on the verge of suicide before they came in, unless they're taking some kind of antidepressant, they probably need to stay on it because there wasn't enough power in that church. Why? Because, as we're about to read the next verse, the only way that he can get to them, what he's after, what God is after, is a judgment inside the church whereby then, then he can expel himself onto the earth and say this is what my church looks like and I can flow through them because there's no are they growing yes but they're not they're not these Johnny and Susie didn't sleep with each other the night before I mean it's okay if they're married they didn't sleep with each other the night before they got up and said oh Jesus fill this place that's pretense that's falsehood. Well, can they repent? Absolutely so, but they can't keep doing it. He won't come. He absolutely won't come. Do you have scripture on it? Right here. Right here. It's right here. I was talking to Gary Hardy. He's, uh, we introduced them, of course, earlier. 
He's a retired school teacher, and uh, probably, he'll say, oh, Pastor, not really, not really. Probably one of the foremost informed men on all the stuff that's going on out there behind the scenes. He's been kind to me because he'd only feed me enough to know when it might start choking me and back off. And he's after this revival with us. But he was asking a question, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, he said, as far as any turnaround, and this might not be coining the question or the statement perfectly, but it was of an essence. Is it going to be that God, and it's all God, it, the, the, whole, the whole supposition started with God. Is God going to start with kind of turning things around as we know it in some of the truth matters and then that evolve, you know, come into more of action and uh, God moving in, in the church and so either way would be an honest question but Peter answers that question for us all of anything God ever does starts at the house of God in other words the house of God meaning you Anything that he's going to do out there in the public or anything he's going to do in the world or anything he's going to do in the backslidden church, it starts right here. And look what he says here. For the time has come, verse 17, that judgment must begin at the house of God. That means us in the kingdom of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God. In other words, God's coming to judge the church so that the world can be judged. And again, I want to I direct your thinking. It's not talking about like I'm going to kill you judgment. It's the judgment that he's allowed to bring, although there is a punishment kind of judgment, but the judgment that says, I'm allowed now because of the standard of the church. See, God doesn't flow through anything except there, we are his body. You do know Jesus doesn't live on the earth, right? And he doesn't, I mean, if, if we say Jesus was here, yeah, he was here, but he was here through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is up there, or it's not, we say up there, it's, a, it's really a realm. It's another uh, dimension is better. In other words, it's not necessarily, you can't get in a spaceship and fly there. You just, you know how they step through the, the coat rack on the, the Chronicles of Narnia? It's just another dimension. In other words, the kingdom of God's here, but it's another dimension. So it might as well be a million miles away or two, two seconds away. It's just another dimension. But Jesus lives there. The Bible says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. The only, the only way the world is ever going to feel Jesus, taste Jesus, smell Jesus, is through us. Now, are we yet perfected? No. But do we have an ability to stop doing habitual, destructive sins? Absolutely so. That's why he says in this next verse, look at verse 18, he says this, and if the righteous, that's us, scarcely be saved, where shall 
the ungodly and the sinner appear. Again, I'll read it. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? The word scarcely is the word molis in the Greek, and it means to labor or to have labor pains. I think that's one of the first, the first uh, word meanings that you'll see, especially if you're looking at a snippet, if you're looking at a more expanded um, uh, dictionary, Greek dictionary. But what I'm trying to get across to you is this. When he says this, when he says, if the righteous, that's us, turn to your neighbor and say, that's me. Tell, tell somebody, I am righteous through the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're having all this serious talk. I want you to feel righteous. Okay. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, that word scarcely is the word molus or means, let me, let me put it this way, it means critically saved. In other words, your walk with him is not, it's not graded on a curve. I used to love curves. Because <laughs> you throw out the top and you throw out the bottom and you just kind of put them all together and say, we'll kind of put, you know, I don't know if Gary ever allowed curves, but I liked it when kind of graded. Because somewhere I could probably fall in the curve in grading. But he's not grading the church on a curve. He's grading the church on John 17, 17. His word is truth. That's the only standard. And when he says here, if the righteous scarcely be saved, it's what he's saying here. If the righteous, it doesn't mean like you can barely, uh, it, it sounds like in the King James, if like I'm scarcely, barely, that word scarcely is not barely or marginally. That's not what it's saying. It, you're not marginally. In other words, uh, I'm just saying, no, listen, if you're saved, you're born again. And if you're born again, you have a new creation on the inside of you. You are not the creature that you once were. Every one of us, and I could teach that whole lesson, 1 Thessalonians 4, going into 13 and on, but talking about who we are, what we are, and how the dimensions are we are. We're spirit, soul, and body. Inside of each one of you is another one of you. There's a replica of you. It's the spirit man. That's where Paul talks about, I pray your whole spirit, whole, H, W-H-O-L-E, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord. Well, if you're born again, you are that new creature. The only way that you ever are, now I hope you understand this, the only way that you ever are eventually, and it makes it hard for the Holy Spirit, but if the pixels, let's put it this way, Light is who you are. You've become light. And I'm just doing this for I'm just doing this for illustration. This is not. I can give scripture in essence. I can't give you a scripture perverse. I'm just painting a picture. Uh, picture. If you're light, you're full of light pixels. But the more that you sin against your own conscience. These people that I was talking about allow that. And I'm not trying to run down other churches. I'm not trying to be mean to people. I'm just trying to answer the question, 
Why has the church not seen a revival in so many years? It's because what Jesus said truly has come to pass in our generation that there would be a misrepresentation of the truth of the gospel. Many would come in my name saying, I am representing Christ, but they would not be teaching. So, Pastor, are you saying that holiness and power go hand in hand? Absolutely. You guys give yourself a grade, you know, an A plus. You graduate. It really does. What kind of holiness? Self-induced? No, but obeying his word. Saying yes. And when you do sin, do you know what repentance is? Repentance, now I, I can, I'm, I know enough Greek to be dangerous, and I've got Jim Martin's telephone number in my, <laughs> but I can tell you this, repentance, repentance is not just saying, Lord, I'm sorry. That's the first part, I'm sorry. Repentance is this, and I'm not being mean, I'm not turning my back on you. Repentance is this, I was going this direction, I will go this direction. Repentance, the word repentance means I won't do it anymore. It doesn't mean I will do it with the intention that I can get forgiveness now because I'm going to do it again. The word scarcely is not barely, like hanging on, it's not the word and if the righteous are barely saved, well, how can you be barely saved? Are your, does your, does your if, let's say if, you're, if you've got an inward man and it's lit up, does it glitch? It, sometimes it's saved, sometimes it's not. I was saved a minute ago, now I'm not saved. No, no, no. It takes a, it takes a good while for you going in a sinful direction for those pixels to begin to diminish and diminish and diminish. Although certain sins will take you there real fast. But if the, if the righteous are scarcely, meaning if they're, let's, let's put the word critical there. If the, word, if the righteous are critically saved, in other words, he's not talking about your salvation the moment that you get born again, like come into my life. Every one of us here could remember when that take, took place. It took place, uh, you know, the word says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is instantly, he becomes a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things present tense become new. It's not talking about everything in your life. Your street address becomes new or your telephone number. It's talking about everything com becomes new on the inside of you. Well, the moment that that takes place, you are a new creature. But he's saying here that he deals with his church for the standard of the world in a critical manner in which he's not going to, as a father, he's not going to let you get by with things. In other words, if you're walking this path and saying, Lord, I want to be a demonstration. I don't want to be, I don't want to be religious, fanatical when I walk into a room like, um, like, you know, here comes Mr. Holy Joe. The best thing is when your presence portrays an atmosphere of number first love and compassion and then power homer preached a wonderful message as he always does a few weeks ago and he listed why were you know and and, and you know I, I won't go into that it's a powerful message get it listen to it 
Why were the crowds drawn to Christ? Because of his love. Why were the sinners, the publicans, the harlots, they were drawn to him by his love? And of course, you can throw in the healing power as well. That's part of the dinner bell. You don't, in essence, teach to the world out there, stop your fornication, stop your adultery. That's not the message you give them. You give them the message, come to Christ. There's a cross. His blood will, his blood will cleanse you. They, it will forgive you. But then, in retrospect, now to the church, us inside of him already, he says this to those in the church, he's going to deal with you critically. In other words, you're not going to be, he's not going to let you get by with stuff. You're not, he, may, he may wink at you a little bit when you're you know, a baby, but if you think if you've been in Christ for five years, 10 years, 15 years, and you can keep doing stuff because he says, um, yeah, no, he loves me, that doesn't matter. Yes, he loves you, but you're never going to walk in his power because you are critically, when it says crit- critically saved, it doesn't mean the present tense moment of salvation, meaning there was a crit- it meant It means primarily that your walk, your continual salvation in which you're walking out is criticized, not from a critic standpoint that like he's trying to, well, you missed it, you missed it, you missed it. It means this, that you're not being graded on a curve with the world. In other words, he's not meshing in, let's see, oh, no, there's a greasy grace doctrine of the church over here. And the world certainly believes it's okay to, you know, spend last Saturday night with their girlfriend. Let's put them together and say, look, you know, I'm a God of love. I want to be a contemporary God. You know, I want to be a contemporary God. I don't want to be, I want to be a cool God. I want to, you know, I want everybody to know that I'm not the Old Testament, blah, 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 kill the, you know, I'll kill the fatted calf. I'm a t- contemporary God. So listen, we'll grade all this on a, on a kind of a curve by meshing the world and the church by based on no no his standard is the word of god and if you're going to walk into a revival type atmosphere you're going to be critically in other words he's not going to leave you alone he's not going to leave you alone for lying he's not going to leave you alone for deliberately thinking evil thoughts everybody has thoughts that they shouldn't have everybody if you're a human being will have thoughts that you shouldn't have towards someone other than your wife or if you're not married someone other than you know whoever but for you to allow it to go on for you to allow it to go on more than just a few seconds if something on the inside of you doesn't say stop that's not right i can't sit here i can't dwell on those things i can't think about that Well, I said there was, ah, I know, I said there was 20 of them. There might have been eight of them. It's just a little, I got excited. I'm a little exaggerated person. Stop it. Stop lying. Tell the truth. I have found, and I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not any more smarter than any of you. You've probably found this as well. It's almost impossible. I find this of myself too. I have to brill it in. I find it's almost impossible for people to give reports on exciting things, especially or on critical things, exactly like they happened, without adding a little bit to it. 
without adding a little bit of bling to it, without adding a little bit, you know, and it just makes it a little bit more exciting. Speak the truth. And if I tell you I'm going to do something, do it. Don't tell, don't tell your fellow Christian you're going to do something and then they don't hear from you or you don't call them. Well, Pastor, I didn't come here for all that. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> you're here. You're here. Yeah, and it's good for us, though. It's good for us. It better be tough or we'll never get there. But we're not here. We don't, we don't have a church. Our church exists for one purpose, to take you to a place where things are not the new normal. I can tell you what the new normal is. It's not what the left is saying, and I love the left, praying for many of them. But the new normal is this. God is crying out to a church of people that will say, I want God more than I want anything else. I love, I, boy, the, the zinger, the zinger for me in Mario's brother, Mario Morello's uh, blog last week that I read was when that pastor said to him, because you can be so, you know, it, you can be so pretentious, with a, such a pretense, that's not a word, with such a pretense that you sound like, I want God, I want God. It's like the rich man, the rich young man, you know, the young rich man. I, what, master, what do I do? I just, you know, and everybody's like, man, that guy's cool. He, tell me what I need to do to be the best of the best and follow you. Well, what does he do? He throws a major, a major fastball at him. Tell you what you do. You can be part of my discipleship. Sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. And come follow me. Now, I wasn't talking about all that. <laughs> you know, we, nah, nah, yeah, you're getting real. I wasn't talking about all that. I mean, I was just like, I mean, I, I thought we were going to go, you know, have lunch together. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you how much I love you and cry. See, that group that group that's uh standing over here now you don't have to give me this but i'm just not not our group okay better not be our group would you look at those and i don't want you to get critical i just want you to know what's out there and i want you to understand the difference between bling glitz and the true anointing because while many are doing this and the mascara is running off their face and they're just worshiping and worshiping and, and it seems like oh them and jesus them and jesus listen that jesus is a fictitious jesus he doesn't exist it's a mirage the Jesus that people create. See, you can create your own Jesus. He's not the Jesus of the Word. He doesn't exist. That Jesus doesn't exist. You can name him Jesus, but you can create a fictitious Jesus that in your mind, that even though you're in habitual sin, you keep saying to yourself, 
but I love him. He's so wonderful. He's no, John tells us if we love him, the only the only way. What, how do you, how do you prove that you love somebody? You obey them. You obey their words. It's not I love Jesus and he makes me cry. That's emotion. Emotions a dime a dozen. Obedience to him proves that you love him. Obedience. So mascara can run, and you can tell, then people can say, I love him, I love him, I love him, he's so wonderful. My, my son, he's, and this, and this is hard for parents, because here, here's the thing, when we read scriptures on the world being lost, it's, some, it's somebody else out there. You don't know their name. So I don't know their name, so yeah, they probably do deserve judgment. But listen, when you've got a mother or a father who said, I didn't raise him like that or I didn't raise her like that, and yes, they're in a homosexual or lesbian or transgender uh, lifestyle, but, but I know they had a real experience with God as a child. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost, but now they're out there. But they love Jesus. No, no, ma Mama, listen. <laughs> Daddy, listen. They may have a respect. That, I could go that far. They may have a respect, but they don't love Jesus. Can you prove it? I can absolutely methodically, line on line, show you from the Word of God that obedience to what Jesus said. Jesus said this, Why call you me Lord, Lord? The first was you're recognizing him as being God or his sovereignty. Why would you call me Lord, Lord, saying I'm committing myself and not do the things that I say? In other words, you're contradicting yourself. You're saying that I'm your Lord. So parents a lot of times will say, that's my son or daughter. They love God. No, 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 no. If they're in a continual lifestyle of that, uh, they can come back. And you keep praying. Because if they die in that, they're going to go to a lake of fire. Now, I know that makes some people say, no, 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 no. Listen. Do you know that I, I, I'll, I, I'll get us, I'll actually come back on this if I need to. I think the word hell is listed. Well, I'll be careful of that because I, but I'll just say this. Do you know how many times hell, literal hell is listed in the New Testament and how often Jesus talked about it? It's a literal place. But the person who is in that mirage, they believe that they're still in love with Jesus, but somewhere they've, trans, they've transversed or they've been transformed to a preacher that would stand up week after week and teach them something that never convicted, never convicted their life. I heard a quote the other day from Gary Sinnott, uh, Carpenter. Or was it from, was it Martin Luther? or Whitfield, I can't remember, but one of the old-time preachers, he said, a mark of a true minister of God is to address the things that are current, that are unpopular to talk about in the pulpit. Now, I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody out there, but as I hear, I speak. And all I know is if you don't speak the truth in love, we'll never get to where we're going.
the mirage of a person who doesn't, who says, I love you, Jesus, but doesn't do. But what does he say here in verse 18? If the righteous, that's us, if they're critically saved, in other words, you want this? Yes, sir. Okay, well, get ready because the more you pray in tongues, the more you fast, the more I'm going to come after you. And I'm going to work with your life. He's not going to put it all on you at one time because you can't handle it. Because as, uh, uh, as many people as think that they're a hot shot, a hot rod in the spirit, if he was to show us all of everything that needs to be changed, we'd be like, not saved, not saved. Yeah, you're saved. <laughs> if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. I'll just keep you for a few more moments. Let's go to... Uh, uh, Mm. First Thessalonians. I think that's where. Let's go to First Thessalonians. Hallelujah. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Good. Where's Sister Callie? Yeah. Yeah, say it, Sister Callie. Say it. Look at First First Thessalonians five. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For you yourselves, for yourselves, know perfectly that that day. So cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. One of the things that you're hearing now is we're not, we're not seeing it, but we're hearing a very passive uh, voice that wants to, as I said Wednesday night, Calls us to take, and I'm, I'm going back to my matrix days, the blue pill instead of the red pill. Let me talk soft to you. Let me talk soft to you through a camera, through a fatherly kind of. Let me not be a smart aleck. Let me not disrupt your life. Oh, but while I'm talking soft to you, let me sign this bill into effect. Still, it's, it's, still in, it's still being fought over. But let me sign it as far as my, my principal part, as I'm talking very soft to you as a father. Let me sign this bill into effect that gives the right for babies to be, to be exterminated up to the day thereof. But I'm talking, I'm not, do you enjoy my soft demeanor for all of you that have suffered through a, a rough smart aleck demeanor I'll talk soft while I write these bills for when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction cometh upon them 
as travail upon travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Everybody say, I'm not in darkness. Amen. We're not in darkness. That day should not overtake you as a thief. In other words, see, I, I get it. I, I totally get it. And man, I just love everybody. I, I don't love just the people that are on the walk. I love the people that are on. But I get it. There are going to be people come here and they're going to sit week after week. They're not going to. They, they don't. They're not pulling. You're not second string. In, that, in other words, you're not thought of any less or any more if you're an intercessor on the front lines. But for the ones that are on the front lines, we get it. We get it. That's why, that's why I belabor. I mean, I really belabor it. I know, I know it's tough, but I belabor the fact or the truth that when we come in here on Sunday mornings, Psalms 101, 100. 101 or 100? 100, verse 4. Let us enter into his courts with thanksgiving, into his house with praise. In other words, when you come in the building... You can, how do you do? How do you do? What are you doing? My purpose for being at church, I'm entering into his courts with thanksgiving, into his house with praise. You can't, not a person in this room, myself included, can you turn emotions on and off? They have to be warmed into. If you come into this house thinking about your afternoon, what you're going to do, what you need to do, where you're going, where you're going to eat at, what's going to take place, and you spend all of that warm-up time in the natural. See, you can't go from the natural to the spirit on a dime. I don't know anybody that, that can. I know men have found it. Smith Wigglesworth. I used to watch Dave Roberson. But you have, to, you have to court that. You have to learn that. That's a learned trait. You can be in a crowded room talking to people but staying in the spirit. That's why oftentimes I'll stay in there until I come out here because I want to, not because I want to isolate myself or you to think, oh, here comes the man of God. That's not the purpose. The purpose is I want to offer to you. I don't want to come out here and tell you a joke, something funny. Oh, let's all have a good time. I want to deliver to you the power of God. Mario Morello says his team knows this. You can't, you can't get to Mario for about three hours or four hours prior to him coming out. Why? Because he says, I'm spending my time with Jesus. And I've got to see in that spirit realm that before I ever go out, I've got to that hope of the blind seeing, the lame walking. If you're a minister and you've ever ministered, if you've ever ministered to the pulpit, you know this, if you're worth your salt, if you're worth anybody even listening to, you don't, you don't, uh, you're not on your cell phone prior to walking up there. You're not, you don't even really want to talk to anybody. You want to spend that last, your fulcrum, the fullness of everything that you want to devote that to everything that Christ is in you and through you and to you. And you want to give that as manna to the people in like turn the more that we come together and our focus is, I'm not talking about me being mean, I'm talking about, look, Psalms 100, verse 4, I will enter his house, his courts with praise. Yeah, yeah. house with thanksgiving, courts with praise. I had it right to start with, but then 
As you enter, that's what you're there for. And you create that and you divorce. Do you believe in divorce? Yes, I do. I believe that you divorce yourself absolutely by turning off the world, turning on to the things of God. Why? Because we're not after. We're not after anything that the um, status quo church is after. We're after him coming in here and rocking your world. And when you bring a visitor in and they say, you know what, I, I don't like that guy. I didn't understand what he said. You know, this is not, I, I, I like my old preacher. He's, he tells a bunch of jokes. And he tells me how good I am. And I, I go out of there edified because I feel like I, you know, yes, uh, I've, been, I've been looking at porno, but I, don't, I didn't feel convicted uh, under my old pastor. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Your old pastor will send you to hell. And you might find him there with you. But if you come into a place where Christ, the anointed, offers you an olive leaf and says, look, here's the power of my spirit. Would you like the same satisfaction that you get in that addiction? Because it's proven. The men, I don't know, women, I don't see how, you know, I wouldn't think so. The men that look, that part of that is an addiction the chemical, you know, from a scientific, because I've, you know, I've heard some of this, from a scientific standpoint, the chemicals are released in the brain that causes an addiction. It's not just the excitement, besides for whatever might be going on with themselves, but there's an addiction that happens in that play, in that, in that kind of, you say, Pastor, why do you go into all this? Because this is real. This is where the church is at. Oh, I didn't think nobody, nobody struggles with that. Listen, why haven't we had an outpouring yet? Because the church has not been willing to go into a critical mass state to say, look, God, come and judge me. Come and judge me. Let the words that I say be words of power. Let the words, you know, I, I, I hate, I, I almost don't ever really say anything to anybody like, but I look for an opportunity because the Holy Spirit will create it. You know, anybody out there in the world, the UPS man, Amazon, whatever, whoever, I don't, the world has seen such a powerless church. And if you ask anybody, do you know, I don't even, I don't even go, you know, do you know Jesus? Everybody knows Jesus. Everybody knows, listen, everybody and their grandma knows Jesus. They all know Jesus. You know, I'm a satanic worshiper on three nights of the week, but I know Jesus, you know. Everybody knows Jesus. Everybody knows Jesus. Because the standard that critical line has not been established that the world looks at it and say wow you really are i've been watching you i've been watching you and you really do you live your life in truth and righteousness oh what i'm looking forward to is that when i speak to those babies those little ball-headed babies that are going through chemo 
Glory to God. You can keep your PhDs. I could have got one probably. Could have probably got a couple of them. I think I'm decently could have. But what are you going to do? You're going to take a PhD and say, look, in the name of this, get up and walk. Or are you going to tell that devil when he's... Somebody said, we don't have devils in the 21st century. We're too sophisticated. We don't have enough power to make them manifest. If you jumpstart them, they'll get going. If you've got, you got, you got, uh, you got enough positive charge, that negative is going to, I mean, you're going to see something. You're going to see some, some major rebellion. It's not that they don't, don't exist. Some of you, oh, I'm not talking. <laughs> In the name of this. <laughs> Close with this. I had a guy come over here. He, he did. He was a real nice guy. I like him. He had a PhD. He really got, he, he did. He was a, from a, le, a legit place. And he was a, it was a, like a theologian. And he told me, he goes, can I go to lunch with you? I said, sure. He goes, he goes I don't, he goes, I got the doctorate, but, goes, but I don't know the word like you do. He goes, I just got the doctorate so I could, when people wanted to argue with me, I could say, do you know I got a PhD? I, I'm a doctor of theology. At least he was honest with me. And he asked me several scriptural questions, and I said, well, this is what the Word says. This is what the Word says. <laughs> Listen, every single one of you, it doesn't matter if you're called to a pulpit, you are His in the earth. Don't get upset. The greatest affirmation of you being His child the greatest affirmation of you being his son or daughter is that he's messing with you. Messing with you. He's critically, he, you feel his conviction. Oh, you know what? I said there was 20 of them. There was only 10. And the Holy Spirit came back. Oh, it's my, you know, devil, you get out of here. No, that's not the devil. Don't run the Holy Spirit off. I told him I'd call him two weeks ago. I still hadn't called him. And you think about it just before you go to sleep. Oh, Satan, you're trying to mess with my sleep. Get out of here. No, the Holy Spirit's telling you, get out of bed, make a note. Call them in the morning. Don't be a liar. Call them back. Hallelujah. Be what he says that we are. We're called to righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that I took the offering up before all this. Because I didn't even know he was going there. Amen. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we love you. We thank you because thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. This is what revival is. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. This is revival. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So, Father, keep, keep messing with us. Keep being critical in a godly, fatherly way. Touch our hearts, our lives. If you're watching this morning, listen, we got time for this, and you don't know Jesus, you're not totally sure, or if you're in here and you're not totally sure, if you walked out of here, if you die this afternoon, or if, as a young person, if you were to, you know, I'm not trying to be morbid, you catch COVID and you die, you go on a ventilator and die. Why would you make heaven? Well, because... I got confirmed as a child, or I got sprinkled. Or No, 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 that's not good enough. Jesus said, except a man be, man or woman, of course, be born again. 
they will not enter into the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Paul says this, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Meaning this transformation process will take place. And it's not, there's many other scriptures I could give, but it's not just, it's not just mimicking things with your mouth. It's absolutely believing in your heart. What does raised God, what does raised, that God raised Christ from the dead mean? He raised him from the dead for you specifically. Meaning this, that if you repent based on his final work for you, if you say, Jesus, I believe that, I'm asking you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, you will be born again and a change will take place. I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to ask everybody in here to pray it with me, even if you're a Christian. I think it'll, it won't hurt any of us and for the people that are watching. Just mean this with your heart. If you're in conflict right now, if you're going through something in your life, if you're confused, if you feel like you've been hurt, abused, and, and terrorized by this world, please, this is the time to pray. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he died and was buried and resurrected for my sins. Dear Heavenly Father, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins and wash me in your blood. I believe that you, ra- that you rose from the dead for me. I accept you, Lord, and I commit my life to you. I will follow you, and if I do sin... I will go right back to the blood and receive your cleansing. I love you, Lord, and I call myself a Christian, a born-again believer. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're welcome to come back tonight. Sit. I don't know what we'll do. We may just play tapes, whatever you guys feel that you can do. We've, We've got some other, maybe a couple more people that might sing for us. But we'll just sit around the presence of the Lord, amen? So, hallelujah. Um, God bless you. Have a wonderful day.